0: So we've been going through, uh, where do we go from here? And I just want to preface, uh, if if you're new to it, that's fine. Uh, This is my week seven out of eight. We did four in the fall, and now we're doing four in the spring. It's based off of David Jeremiah's book that he wrote. And I like the book, and I like the topic, because basically you take modern day events, what we see, and how does that line up with Scripture, and then also prophecy and end times. And the principle is, God is not surprised by anything that's happening, even though we probably are. Especially in the last five or 10 years, you've probably seen some really weird things. Uh, so tonight uh, is cancel culture. Um, these things are not to be divisive, okay? If you, if, if you lived in 2020, you saw some things that happened, and the culture in America was very divisive. It was you're with me or you're against me, there was no middle ground. There were some hot topics that were happening and there were uh riots and there were some and then there was COVID. There were a lot of things happening. There was an election that uh <laughs> <it> was confrontational <laughs> to maybe to say the least. Uh so and then the George Floyd, Floyd uh murder that happened and then defund the police and all these things are happening. The rioting in the streets in major many major cities that's happening. It was You would see things on the news, and you would turn it on, and you couldn't believe you were in America. Since then, cancel culture, some of the things have calmed down, but some of the things have not. It's just they're not in the news all the way. But there is this mentality of uh, cancel culture is if I don't like what you're saying or what you like or whatever, then I will cancel you publicly. I will cancel you on social media. I will cancel you in your job, in your profession. I will cancel you in everything because I don't want to hear Whatever you, However you differ from me. And who defines who is right and wrong? Well, those that have the power to cancel people, they control all the cards. One example, there was a pastor called Chris Hodges of Birmingham, Alabama. He signed on to his Instagram account. This was back in 2020. He signed on to his Instagram account, and he liked a small number of, uh, of posts from a conservative author and speaker that he liked. Do you think that would be a problem? Well, yes. A high school English teacher that also lived in Birmingham saw what the pastor uh, uh, liked and felt uncomfortable. So she created a Facebook post to to address this discomfort that she had and include an image of Hodge's name next to his notorious likes. Uh, and uh, she, she told reporters, I would be upset if it comes off as me judging him, but I'm not saying he's a racist. I'm saying he likes someone who posts things that do not seem culturally sensitive to me. In less than two weeks, this pastor in Birmingham, Pastor uh, Pastor Hodges, uh, he has the Birmingham Housing Authority coming after him. They cut ties with him and his church. Uh, The Church of the Highlands is the church he was at. No longer is he allowed to have church in the rented space they had for for several uh, other campuses. The Housing Authority also cut ties with the Christ Health Center, a separate ministry founded by the Church of the Highlands. So you see, uh, he has—he's being canceled. And this uh, this ministry, this Christ Health Center, it provides free health services for residents of public housing. So they're canceling the thing that gives people that don't have housing housing in a time twenty twenty COVID and it's a mess and all the stuff's happening. Doesn't make sense. It's not logical. But again, the cancel culture thing is not—it's not about logic. A local government is shutting down a free clinic for the poor in the middle of a public health crisis. Makes no sense. In addition, the Birmingham Board of Education voted to cut ties with his church uh, after the so-called scandal. They call it a scandal. He liked two things. How is this a scandal? But it's all in defining the words and the language. And uh, for several years, the church had, had rented two high school auditoriums. To serve as additional campuses for Sunday mornings, and they paid more than $800,000 to rent those places, no more can they have those. Their lease is terminated immediately because of two likes. Ed Stetzer, which is a well-known theologist and author, he points out the irony of this whole situation. He says, Christ has, or Chris, Chris has led his church to be the largest diverse church in Alabama to engage the poor and marginalized and to minister widely and well in his community. He and the church he leads has, has, has served the poor and engaged the sick, volunteered in schools and more. During the pandemic, Church of the Highlands has served thousands of meals, made masks, hosted blood drives, helped other churches with online services. He's even liked some social media posts. Or he also liked a few media posts. And he says, get out the pitchforks. And that's literally what happened. The long and the short of the whole story to Pastor Hodges is he was canceled because he liked a few posts that were popular to conservatives but not to other people. So what you like and dislike now becomes a political statement and based on which side of the aisle you lean or whatever your stance is, if they like it or don't like it, they can then cancel you. Uh, I say all that just to preface the conversation, cancel culture. How do we as Christians live in a in a culture like that? That we all live on social media, even at probably at some some fashion. Maybe you don't, Uh, but most people do. They have a presence, and you can hit the like button, the thumbs up, which is the giggle button. By the way, it's the giggle button for the Aggies. Giggle, whoop! Uh, And uh, based on what you like or don't like, people will defriend you, or more than that. They can do a lot more than than that if you're a leader, and they come after pastors for sure. So this word cancel, uh, cancel culture wasn't a thing five years ago, was it? Or ten years ago? Uh, Well, it is is now, but if you cancel something, you hear the word cancel, you're thinking of your subscription that you've been streaming for so long, and you're like, I never watched that, I'm going to cancel that, right? Which you should cancel many of those because it's just a waste of money. But whatever. Uh, but this cancel culture is a whole, nother, it's a whole nother thing. It is, in today's society, it's canceling someone as a punishment for violating a set of unwritten rules that's currently in play throughout much of the liberal world. Again, they're the one that, get, that gets to call the shots. How does it happen? Well, first they attempt to publicly humiliate you because of whatever you said, and you'll get flagged. Second, uh, they'll push mercilessly to confess, have you confess or apologize for something you never did wrong. And if that doesn't work, they'll go on to the third, and they'll, and they'll try to remove you from the public conversation altogether. You don't get to have a voice. And by the way, there, there is a thing in America called free speech, but that is being taken away, in case you're not, at least in social media. Those that you can be uh, filtered in what you say. Remember, in Facebook and in Instagram and Snapchat, if you say something that's not, remember, I mean, you say something against the scientists of COVID and what they say or against the CDC, you're going to get banned. You say something against the president, a certain president, you're going to get banned. It's happening. They shouldn't be doing that. You should It should be an open platform for you to say countering uh, a discussion. It should be a discussion, roundhouse place, but it's not. Because the liberal controls the the conversation. They control the media. So, again, this is, well, technology is new to Jesus Christ, but people not relating well with other people is nothing new to God. It's nothing new into the Bible. Uh, and so, uh, this idea that you can mock and threaten and deplatform and delegitimize people, it's not biblical. As Christians, we should not do that. We should not be for that. We should not allow these things to happen. Jesus Christ, when he was asked what what the greatest commandments are, and in the Old Testament they had a bunch of rules, a lot of things that they were trying to do all these things and works oriented and sacrifice and do all the things that God said through Moses and all these things, but a lot of things to do. So that you can be right unto a holy and just God. Jesus comes. He's fully God, fully man. He's born of a virgin. He comes. He walks on this earth. And he's asked as he's teaching his followers, what is the greatest commandment? Of course, those that ask that are always trying to trick Jesus. (laughs) But they always fail. Uh, Jesus uh, knows everything. And he wrote the book. So uh, he says, you know what he says, the greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the second, love your neighbor as yourself. He summarizes all ten of the commandments. The first four is about your vertical relationship with God. The next six is how you relate to other people on the earth. Jesus sums it up with those two. If you think about it, Jesus spent a lot of time with canceled people. If there was a thing as cancel culture in first century AD, Jesus was hanging around with those people. Sinners and leper, lepers and uh, Adulterous women and bleeding women and people, paralyzed people, he would be hanging out with the canceled people. He did that. You think about the woman at the well. He offered her the water of life. Uh, he had fellowship with lepers and with sinners. He blessed children that were marginalized in his day. He expressed compassion for the woman that was taken in, in adultery. He committed, uh, and he, uh, he comforted a murderer. He's nailed on the cross and he comforts the murderer that's right next to him being crucified. Jesus had no place in his heart for cancel culture. If you don't like what that person says or what they say, you can't, then cancel them. You can have a differing opinion. It's okay. So what does this mean for us as Christians? Well, society today is becoming more intolerant and polarized each and every day. More polarized. The news then takes all the whatever and they stir the pot up and they get everybody all... It's us and them and them and us. And we're just all fighting with everybody. And, and I should double up my blood pressure medicine because I'm just ramped up. And I, you know, <laughs> you know, we should, Christ's followers, we should be, follow the prince of peace. And we should have peace that passes all under, we should have peace in our hearts. God doesn't want his followers to be people that are constantly against everybody. And, and I have to take my stand and fight everything. No, his, his people, now there are times when we should take a stand. God's word and defend those doctrinal things, but there's other times that we should be gentle people. And if you're on social media, you know there are Christians that are gentle and there are Christians that are not gentle. And uh, and it gets ugly really fast. And then the stereotypes and all the things and all the stuff. Uh, so Jesus is for the marginalized. Uh, he's not surprised by what happened. If you have your Bible. I'm not going to have you flip to all these passages, but go to Matthew 24. I'll have you look at two, and I gave you on the notes all the other scriptures I'll reference. Matthew 24. Jesus warns of the coming period of world distress right before uh, the tribulation is going to come. Right before the end times, and the rapture, and the tribulation, and all the hardship that's going to happen before Christ comes the second time. Matthew 24, verse... Twenty-one through twenty-two. He's talking about the great tribulation that's going to come, and then uh, for then there will be great tribulation, such as had not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor even nor nowhere ever shall be. And un- unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened, leading up to Christ. Great Tribulation, uh, or the Great Tribulation, Jesus predicts a series of signs that are going to come. Go up and look, uh, turn the page back, go back to verse 8 of chapter 24. Verse 8 of chapter 24 in Matthew. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Does that sound like today? <laughs> Everybody's offended with somebody, betrayed by somebody, and hates somebody. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I'm going to use that last verse, or the last two verses I just read, as the, the backdrop to where we are today. First of all, it's a culture of disdain. Everybody's offended. I probably have offended you in the few words I've already said. And if I did, I'm sorry. I'm just a human trying, saved by grace, that's trying to honor God with my life. But uh, I have a family, and they tell me I say things wrong all the time. I think that's why they give you family. And when they become like 17, they're experts on language. I don't know if you knew this, but I say today wrong. Evidently, that's the thing. It should be today, and I say today And that is bad. That's bad, guys. So I'm working on it. My son is, uh, yeah, I'm working on it. Pray for me. Um, But everybody's offended with something. Uh, The Greek word in in that text, the word is betray. It's how it's interpreted. And, And it's important to get the idea of what he means by betray. It's intentionally revealing or exposing something that is hidden. Intentionally revealing or exposing something that is hidden. Jesus uh, said that society leading up to the end times, it will be marked by people who are actively rooting up, exposing, and betraying those around them. They're actively coming at people that don't agree that they don't agree don't line up with whatever their agenda is, and they attack them. That is that is the that is the attitude and culture of this cancel culture. That is that is how they operate. Uh, betrayal is what cancel culture is fundamentally acting upon. We all have mistakes in the past, don't we? Raise your hand if you have never made a mistake. If you did, you just, you, just, you just made a mistake. See, but We all have mistakes in the past that we probably would like to forget, but these mistakes are not allowed to remain in the past. People intentionally dig them through history and biographies and social media if you're running for the Supreme Court and you're not on the side that they want you to be on. Good luck, right? But if you are on the side that they want, eh, psh, we're all people here, you know? Uh, I'm like, yeah, inconsistencies. But uh, I, it, it is a reminder, and even celebrities and all those, and our culture is a forgiving culture to an extent, but you wonder as long as if you're a celebrity, if you're an athletic star or whatever, and you do something, you bet on a game or you whatever, if you make a public apology then all will be forgiven, right? But that standard is not the same for all people in all professions. No. And uh, I won't list all the professions that that's not allowed, but there are many that are not, and uh, and I, I work in one of them. If a pastor makes a mistake. The church may forgive him, and for sure God has his own, you know, be... Uh, He has his own uh, standards for pastors, for sure, that should be held to a higher standard. But we should also live in a day and an age that understands the forgiveness of Christ, that we are all sinners at the foot of the cross, every one of us. Whether I was saved at five in vacation Bible school or whether I was saved in prison at the age of 35 after I did some horrendous crime, God saves me the same at the cross through Jesus Christ. But we live in this day that... uh, it's very polarizing, it's very uh, attacking, it's very betrayal, it's everything. And we need to teach our children not to be that way. And social media is, is, you know, bullying that happens on social media, it's happening. The two or three years, or however long we were not in school, you know how many kids suffered as they had to stay home, and, and they're always on social media 24-7, and the, I'm, you know, the, the effects of this will be years before we find out all that it did to that generation. But a lot of bad happened, uh, and uh, it wasn't good. So you're going to have this betrayal that's happening. There's abuse, there's hatred, there's exploitation that happens in that culture of disdain. But then also there's a culture of deception. Uh, the end times, he warns that this will rise. There will be many false prophets who will deceive multitudes in verse 11 of chapter 24. Um, It's never been easier to deceive someone because of social media. You know the most at-risk age that gets deceived the most? Do you want to know? You want to make a bet? Senior citizens. Senior citizens. Yeah, I mean, all the scam artists. And I come to you today, I got scammed on Chewy.com. Dog food. Not scammed. uh, Fraud, okay? I spent $100 on cat food. I don't even have a cat. (laughs) I don't even have a cat. These people are getting good at stealing your stuff. you got to spend 30 30 minutes on the phone with Chewy.com, and they cancel the order, but one's already shipped out, and maybe you'll get refunded. Who knows? Scams are out there, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Fake people, fake reviews, fake products, fake news, fake friends. It's all fake. Big tech just kind of stirs it all up. Culture of deception. Also, there's a culture of disconnection. Wouldn't that make sense? Disdain or hatred for each other. You have deception. You can't trust anybody. You don't know who's coming after you, who's your friend, who your foe is. And so what do you do? You just disconnect altogether. I'm just not going to be on that platform. Uh, everyone has to decide what new technology they're going to get into. And I decided, for better or for worse, Facebook is where I was drawing the line. That's it. My kids are like, that's good. Don't get on the other stuff. Instagram, That's where I. that's my world. I can't. You know, I don't need to know Twitter. I don't need to know every thought. I don't want everyone to know my thoughts. Who cares? There's only so much time in the day, but you got to draw your line. But be careful how much social media you're having and you're, you're feeding your mind with all this stuff and you need to know what LeBron James thinks about that. And I need to know what everyone says. He's an athlete. He's a basketball NBA athlete. He's very good. Does that mean he should talk about all the governmental things? I'm probably going to get canceled by the end of this, this thing, but... This won't be on the internet, I'm sure. Uh, LeBron James is very good at basketball. I give him that. He can do a lot more than I could do. Um, But this disconnection, and I think COVID even, a lot of the younger generation, they're very disconnected. Text messages, we thought it was so good, right, when it came out. Man, I could text my wife, and I can text my whatever. And you'll find out how many husbands and wives do not know how to communicate anymore. I meet with people, literally. How was your conversation? Well, I emailed her. And I texted her. You know that 80% of communication is body language, right? You don't get that on an email or a text. Why are you yelling at me? I'm like, it was all caps. I hit the cap button. Sorry, I didn't mean to, you know? (laughs) Fat thumbs, it happens. It's a real problem. But uh, disconnection, disconnection. The younger generations, I think parents and grandparents, teach your kids how to have a conversation with adults. They don't know how to do it. I called my nephew, it's his birthday, he's, uh, I don't know who he is, I'm just his uncle. Um, 13, 14, whatever, and I called him, and he answered his phone. I'm not sure if my kids would answer the phone if you call them. But he answered the phone, and he just acted like a young adult. You know, we just had a nice 10-minute conversation, talking about where he wants to go to school, whatever. Like, I told my brother, I said later, like, I was impressed with your son. He knows how to talk on the phone to a person. You have to teach that. And the younger generations, they want to be connected. They just don't know how. Because with the technology, they don't have to. Well, you're going to have to when you get a real job, unless you have one that you can stay at home 24-7. I guess there's some of those still. But generally, you have to go to work, and you're going to have to interact with people. And some people that you don't like, maybe. Some people you like, some people you don't like. You're going to have to connect. Apologist Abdu Murray, he said that uh, there's a relationally frightening nature of today's society. He says this, In cancel culture, a single mistake is perfectly unforgivable because it's not simply a guilty act. Rather, the mistake defines the individual's identity, turning them into a shameful person, someone who can be canceled. This is the culture that's described, that Jesus describes, leading up to the tribulation, to the end of time. There's this coldness No one cares about the feelings of the other person. I'll say something on social media that I would never say to that person's face. But because I have an equal platform, I can comment and say it, but I would never tell that person to their face that. Well, if that's the case, you shouldn't say it. Just because you can type it, you shouldn't send it. So this is the culture that's leading up to... um, to Christ's return. There's a lot of social pain. There's a lot of emotional situations that happen, feelings of rejected. uh, People are alone. They're ostracized. They feel devalued. They're abandoned, and they feel disconnected. The root cause of all of this, of course, is spiritual in nature, that there's a spiritual battle. and the enemy wants people to be totally isolated. Satan loved the COVID shutdowns. You're an easy target when you're isolated. Spiritually speaking, for sure. We actually need, we're commanded to not forsake the assembly together. We need to be around Christ's people. If nothing else, it's a reset to, you know, this week I I wasn't very good in the spiritual battle. I need to reset and I need to go at it again next week. I need to seek the forgiveness of God. I need to be empowered by by the Holy Spirit in me. I need to be encouraged by the, the people of God that are here with me. So we need to not be disconnected. Um. But in this culture, relationships today are a little risky. Yeah? Am I going to comment on that statement? Am I going to comment on that news article? Am I going to forward that feed on my Facebook thing? What's going to happen? Should I, you know, or Facebook friend. And this is where I stopped Facebook, okay? I can't believe that friend said that thing about whatever that issue was. I look at that person differently now because I didn't know that that's where they stood on that issue, whatever it is. And now it divides us. The more I think I'm like, again, why do we get on social media? (laughs) Because it connects us, right? Right. So where do we go from here? As Christians, what should we do? And I'll say four things that we should explore uh, that should not be cancelable. These concepts should not be uh, cut out of our culture, should not be cut out of of the church or anything. The first is, it takes, and there are some blanks there, and I'll try to give you the blanks. Um, I think the first one was disconnection. And then the next one is, it takes wisdom. We have to have wisdom. Matthew ten sixteen. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, Jesus says. you got to be wise. What is wisdom? Well, true wisdom is the ability to discern what is right and good and just what is proper in each and every situation, that uh, you know, wisdom shares true information with others that's, uh, uh, as temperately as possible, gentle as does. It doesn't take much to make us cringe when we see Christians on social media that uh, lose their tempers, or you can see it in person too. You need to take a chill pill, socially maybe. Take a chill pill. That's what my dad used to tell me. Uh, your tone and your conversation, it's everything and it's critical. And tone is not, hard to do on social media. Colossians 4.6, let your conversation be gracious as well as sensible, for then you will have the right answer for everybody. So we should be wise in our word choice and where we comment and what we say. We don't have to pick fights with those that disagree with us. If you're expecting all of the lost people of the world to act like Christians on social media or, in, or at Roses or at wherever you're at, you need to lower your expectations of the world. They're lost. They don't know God. They don't, they're just living for themselves. They're doing whatever they want. Probably they're listening to Satan and they got the flesh and they just do whatever they want. It's how we were before, until we got saved. Why do we expect everyone that's lost in the world to act like they're Christian? So it would make my life easier? Solomon himself said, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. Be wise, be selective in the words you share. There are moments when followers of Jesus need to stand firmly for the truth of God. There are moments like that, that we should be bold. You think of Stephen when he... uh, stood up against his accusers in the Sanhedrin, uh, may it be said of us that we cut to the heart that we stand up for Christ and his and the Word of God, and what 's right on those things, but not everything has to be a such a divisive topic. We can all go into our camps. The book of James, it contrasts the wisdom from below versus the wisdom from above. Uh, it says in James three, fifteen, it says earthly sensual, or the wisdom below is earthly, sensual, and demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Which which voice are you listening to? From below? The voice from above. Is it pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits? Or is it all about yourself, sensual and demonic? And really all about yourself. I have to be right. at, At whatever cost. I have to have the last word. And I have to win this argument. No. Don't make it about yourself. Make it about God. True wisdom is from above. It's a gift from God. It's available to all who ask for it from Jesus Christ. James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You want wisdom? Ask God for wisdom. Stay in God's word. Be active in the things that God cares about and loves. Let the Holy Spirit change you from the inside out as you're a child of God, so you can display the fruits of the Spirit. So it takes wisdom, but also, secondly, it takes, it takes courage to live in this culture. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage. Do not, fear, uh, do not fear, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good cor- courage. God doesn't want us to live afraid. Now, there is fear that is talked about in the Bible. It's the fear of God. Doesn't mean like Halloween and goblins, God's gonna jump out and scare me. No. The fear of God is I'm in awe of God. I understand how vast and mighty and powerful God is, and I'm just a wee little man on earth. God has I understand his place and I understand my place. That's that's the awe of God. But the fear to be afraid of the culture we live in, to live uh, afraid of what going, someone's going to think or whatever, um, I think I gave enough passages. You should be gentle and considerate of what you're going to say. Some things you've got to take a stand, but other things you let you let go. As a child of God, as a Christian, am I, am I being an ambassador for Christ in this situation? I, am I representing Christ well in what I'm saying and how I'm saying it? And you know, and I know, a lot of Christians are not doing that very well. (laughs) It's not coming across the love of God. It's coming across as very judgy. And I'm sure if you've got some hypocritical stuff in there, that we're all trying to live by God's word, but none of us are doing perfectly. But it's not an attitude or a spirit of love or of reconciliation or of rehabilitation or building back up or encouragement. That's not the attitude behind a lot of it. John Piper, he, he said this, that Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost because God promises to help you and save you on account of Christ. An act takes courage, and it will likely be painful. The pain will, may be physical, as as in war or like in rescue operations, but the pain may be in mental, as in confrontation or controversy. Either way, Piper says, courage is indispensable for both spreading and perseverance. Uh, persevering the truth of, preserving the truth of Christ. I can't read, I'm sorry. So we have to be bold. For sure in the book of Acts, the, the, new, the, the new apostles and all that, and the spreading of the gospel and the Holy Spirit coming upon them at Pentecost, there was this boldness about them. In Acts, it records the word bold tons and tons of times. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. With boldness, so you have to be bold in what you say, but you stand on the truth of God's word. It's not I'm bold on my opinion; I'm bold on the truth of God's word. There's a difference, right? It's a kindness, but it's also a courage. One example would be the prophet Jeremiah. He had a tough message to <laughs> to. Uh, to give to all the people when the people did not like his message or him. And, uh, and uh, Jeremiah remained committed to God and his prophetic word in the midst of extreme criticism. He kept going because God told him to do that. He was obedient even when it count him, counted him great cost. He didn't falter as things grew worse around him and worse around him. His hearers tried to cancel him, but then in Jeremiah 18, 18, 18 they, said, they said this, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. They were going to fight him on every, everything they could. In Jeremiah, he persisted in his ministry, and he continued to speak the truth as God's representative until his ministry, his purpose was done. The mob today will mock and malign us. Christians, evangelicalism, uh, it's going to become, and it's becoming, if you think back 30, 40 years ago, or wherever wherever you want to go back, you can see the trend in America, and in the world in general. The more you unite with Christ, the more opposition you're going to have. And we in America have been blessed that uh, it used to be the uh, you're a church member, you're a you're a Christ follower. That's that's very reputable. That's a great thing. You could run for office. You can do things right. Now it is that's like that's like an X against you. And because to say I'm a Christian, I, I believe there will come a day. where it will cost you more than just a tax write-off. It will cost you. A lot. The good news is, and at the as the end times approach, and that happens. Jesus says it's going to happen. This culture is going to get worse and worse and worse. But you know, and as you look throughout church history, when was the church the strongest? Typically, the church and the gospel is the strongest in countries where you're like an underground church. You're going to follow Christ. It could cost you your life. Yet the gospel still spreads in those cultures, in those climates. I hope and pray that even, not that we necessarily get to that point in America, but as there's more and more persecution, whatever it is, true believers would say, I'm going to take out my cross and follow Christ regardless. And I hope that the gospel spreads. And it's not, the gospel is not, or being a Christ follower is just, it's the socially acceptable thing to do. And it's the, no, no, I want to follow Christ even if it's radical against the culture, which it was back in Christ's day. Jesus was very radical. And there were all sorts of the religious elites that wanted to cancel him, and they tried. Never were successful. He still fulfilled his mission, even when they killed him. He fulfilled God's plan for his life, and because of that, we are able to become a child of God, put our faith and trust in what Jesus did. But Christ was faithful even when he was ridiculed. He was uh, truly courageous, uh, and he is a great example for us to follow. So Jeremiah and Christ, they were courageous, but also it takes forgiveness. Uh, In a world where mistakes of the past are fair game for anybody to bring up, there's no room for forgiveness in that world. You know, if you see of any celebrity and you hear about it all the time in the news, let's report it. Whether it's a celebrity or a famous person or whether it's a pastor of a huge church or whether it's a school teacher what is whatever. There are consequences for our sin, but we, we tend to, the media, the whatever, crucifies this person. There have been things in Midland, Texas, and that have happened in the last year or two, and everyone, based on a picture or on a Facebook post, you predetermine the guilt or the innocence based on that picture. You don't wait for the courts, and that's why the social media, they do that. They, they put the mugshot, and once I see a mugshot, I assume that person's guilty. A year later, they're acquitted. But their reputation and everything is, is shot. That's the power of cancel culture. Christians, on the other hand, should be ones that have room for forgiveness. Ephesians 4:32 Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgives you. When we forgive someone who's wronged us, we set them free, but we also we set ourselves free. If you hold on to unforgiveness in your heart, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the other person. Forgiveness in someone that wrongs you is a hard thing to do. And there's a a lot of different levels of people that wrong. As we relate to people, there's a lot of hurt that happens. Past, present, and future that's going to happen. But we should not, as Christians, hold on to bitterness because it's a poison. It just eats your heart away. It's hard to forgive, but we should learn to forgive. Then the last one is it it takes love. This is forgiveness and love are not two characteristics you hear a whole lot other than like romantic love and all the novels. No, it's no like love like agape love. Like I would lay down my life for you kind of love that Jesus did. You don't see that. You don't see that characteristic value very much in our world. Because cancel culture doesn't care about love. It's all about what I want and my agenda and I'm pushing it. You're in the way. Remember the passage in the scripture where uh, Jesus rescued a young woman who was about to be canceled. She's teaching, or He's teaching in the temple courts and a Pharisee's come and they drag this girl in front of him. And, and they yell, they caught her in adultery. If you want to flip over to John chapter 8, that's where it, it's at. But they want to stone her. And based on the Old Testament law, that, they were right to do that. The crowd's yelling, Stoner. It's the punishment that the, the law provided. She's guilty of sin and she must be permanently removed. She wanted, they wanted her to be canceled. If you look at Jesus' response, he did not agree with that stance. Instead of canceling her, Jesus told his accusers, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. I wish I was there. You know, I could see their faces. Like Jesus just told them. Because they all know, and they look and turn like, uh, I've sinned. Will I be next? And that's the problem with cancel culture is you keep canceling, canceling. Eventually, are you going to get canceled? Am I going to get canceled? Jesus says, no, if, you, if, you know, if you've never sinned, then feel free to throw the stone. And they all, they all leave in shame, of course. And then Jesus looks at this girl and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This picture of love. Jesus knew she was in the wrong. Jesus knew she sinned. And Jesus knew her biggest problem was she needed forgiveness for her sin. Condemnation isn't it, it's not the answer. This cancel culture is, is laser focused on judgment and accusations and punishments. And uh, they just want to broadcast their, their sins from pillar to post of those, those that they oppose and they never want to allow any chance for uh, them to come back. Just get rid of them. Cancel them. Christ's goal, on the other hand, is to love and to have mercy and to send grace. The words of Scripture says, And above all these things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Have you ever thought of... if I had the power to cancel, cancel culture, I would do it. I don't, it it's not a great environment, but uh, it's, it's, it's where we are today. The good news is there is a canceling that everyone needs. The Bible says in Colossians 2, it says, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. What I earned because of my sin is I earned eternal death. So the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He canceled the death that I deserved. And for that, I'm all for that cancel culture. When we come to Christ, he cancels our sins and he welcomes us into his family. Instead of disdain and deception and disconnection, he gives us love and truth and a place by his side in his his heavenly family. He fills us with wisdom and courage and compassion, and then he commissions us to counter the cancel culture with the power of the cross. If the cross has changed you, and if you understand it, then you should know through God's word how to live in a culture that wants to cancel everything. And guess what? Wants to cancel the church. Wants to cancel God's word. Wants to cancel all Christianity. Would love to cancel all of that. That's been going on for a few thousand years. And the church is still here. So, I've given you a lot to think about. Uh, Cancel culture is here and it's going to stay. And I think as we get closer and closer to Christ's return, the challenge is for us to um, be people of, of Christ. We resemble his character and, you know, Jesus didn't have social media. Okay. <laughs> they had sin problem in their, in their world. And they had people that were in sin. And just think about, you can go through all of them and say, how did Jesus relate to that person? Was it bashing, canceling them, saying they're worthless, demeaning them? Or was it meeting them where they're at and meeting their physical needs so that hopefully there's a bridge to then get the ultimate need, which is what? spiritually they need the love of God they need Jesus Christ that paid the price for their sin and as the church of God as the church of Christ as Christians we're called to live in this in between we're still in this world and the enemy for sure has his uh, has his means has his ways but greater is he that is in us than is he that is in the world God's greater Let the fruits of the Spirit, let the characteristics of Christ come out in how we relate to people personally and where we go and at work and in family, at homes, but also social media. Rethink. Think twice before you hit send. Be a good bit of advice. Uh, Good bit of advice. May we show the love of Christ to others. Let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are at work in our culture today. And uh, it can seem like, you know, there's dark days in the last few years. There's been a lot of difficult things that has happened in our country and, and in our land. And there seems to be a lot of hurting people and ugliness, which is just our sinful nature coming out in this world. But I thank you, God, that you stepped into our world through Jesus Christ and that you came and dwelt among us, you walked among us, you lived a perfect life, you died uh, my death and every other sinner's death. You took our punishment and now we're offered your grace and your love if we put our faith and trust in you. I thank you that you are a God that loves all people regardless of what they've done in the past. That you're a God of redemption and of hope and of fulfillment of your plan in their lives. I pray that we as God's people and as the church would represent you well in how we relate with other people and even in a culture that wants to cancel everything that we want to say because they don't like what we say. Uh, may, we have, uh, may, we, may we walk wise and may we be discerning in what we do. And may we be, be honorable in how we treat other people so that we would point them to you and the difference you make. May we be your representatives in this world. We'll give you all the glory in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.